0: Praise the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Say good evening to your neighbor. Good evening. Neighbor to the right, neighbor to the left, um, and smile to them. Um, today we are in part three of um, our series, Triving at Work. Um, last week we we looked at the work you love. I mean, and in part one, we looked at the worth of work. And that focused mainly on the purpose of work, the worth of work. And um, last week we looked at the the work you love. And we explained that fulfillment and meaning come from being in the right place, having the right perspective, with the right people, and right purpose. And... um, Last week, we, we focused on the right place and right perspective in, in verse one, part one. We looked at the right purpose of work, um, but today, we are going to like, um, next week, we will look at the right people, that is even traveling with difficult people. But today, we are um, um, looking at winning at work. Everyone say winning at work. And... It is so important that we understand that work is not a curse. Work is a blessing, and it's a blessing from God. You know, many times we think, oh, this work is too much, as if we are under a curse. No, work is not a curse. Work is a blessing from who? From God. Work is a blessing from God. And God wants us not only to work, God wants us to Thrive at work. God wants us to win at work. So today we'll be looking at winning at work. If you look at how somebody works or goes about his work, you can tell a wise person by how he or she approaches work. How you know somebody is wise? See how they approach work. You can tell. And God is saying to us today that he wants us to win at work. In other words, we, we must approach work properly and we will inevitably win. Our text is, texts are Proverbs 16, verse 3, Proverbs 16, 3, um, and Proverbs 3, 6. We're so going to be reading from the Living Bible. It, it says that, Commit your work to the Lord, then it will succeed. Commit your work to, to the Lord, then it will succeed. Um, Proverbs 3.6 says, in everything you do, put God first. It will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Now, if you look at, largely at the book of Proverbs, we would see Solomon, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Solomon talking a lot about work, 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 how to work, how to win at work, how to approach work. So today, we will learn from Solomon how to be a winner at work. How to be a winner at work. And the winner is um, it's an acronym for these principles that we are learning from Solomon. How to be a winner. Winner at work. So to be a winner at work, Solomon is saying, you need to do this, follow the six principles of W-I-N-N-E-R. How can I be a winner at work? Number one, to be a winner at work, I must, the first W is work with purpose. I know that we talked a lot about purpose in part one, but it's, it's, it's worthy of mentioning this time around, God wants us to work with purpose. Why? Because the truth is that if you don't know why you are working, your work will be like prison. It will be like you are confined. It will be like you are just suffering. It will be like, it will be like what is called a rat race. In other words, you wake up in the morning, you are an autopilot, you have your bag, you brush your teeth, you enter the traffic, oh, you get talking traffic, you calculate, I'm going to spend three minutes at um, Iquata, I'm going to spend um, five minutes at Jaconde, I'm going to spend, you know, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, oh, Saturday has come, oh, weekend, oh, Sunday, fantastic, then Monday again. And it's like, you are in this prison that's just wheeling and and going round round and round and round and round and round. So, God wants us to have a goal for our work life. Even if you are a homekeeper, God wants you to have a goal for your work life. Proverbs 17, 24. God's Word says in Proverbs seventeen twenty-four that an intelligent person aims at wise, wise actions, aims at wise action, but a full start of how? A full start of how? In many directions. A full start of in many directions. Regardless of the kind of work you do, you must be moving towards a goal. The wise person aims at something. The fool starts up in many directions. Doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that, and ends up doing nothing. Jesus, his first public statement was to his parents, don't you know I will be about my father's business? That was his first public statement at 12. I have a goal. What was his last statement? It is finished. Until your hands are commit with my spirit. In other words, I'm, I'm done. Paul says he was still alive. Paul was still alive and he said, I have finished my curse. I have, I, have, I have fought a good fight. I have done my own. I mean, how can a man still being alive know that it is finished, know that I have I've done my work on earth? Isn't that an amazing place to be? Praise the name of the Lord. At the end of your life, I'm praying that you will be able to say, I've finished my course. I have done my assignment. And before Paul could say that, he said, one thing I do he has one thing. He has a purpose. This is what I do. I'm pressing forward. I am pushing forward. He didn't say, these are the 40 things I double I double on. He says, one thing I do. He didn't say, these are the 20 things I am I'm trying. He says, one thing I do. One thing I do. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 13, 6 says that a wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't and even brags about it. Haven't you seen people that brag, ah, whoa, I die on you, you may you love. And I was, tomorrow, whoa, I, anything can happen, you know? Let anything happen. Today, I will just enjoy my life. No planning, no foresight, no, I mean, God says a fool doesn't think ahead and brags about it. God wants you and I to think ahead. God wants us to just sit down and think. You could say, oh, but pastor, my job is not that fantastic. Think. Your job could just be, it could just be um, gardening. Think ahead. Where am I taking this garden in, in, in six months? What are the things that my customers are complaining about today? How can I make sure that it is never an issue in three in three weeks, think ahead. Proverbs 21.5 Proverbs twenty says, "The plans of the diligent leads to profit. The plans of the diligent leads to profit." So, with each of this um, W I N N E R acronym, we we are going to grade ourselves. We are going to evaluate ourselves. I want you to be brutally truthful to yourself. In fact, you owe yourself that. This is the point where it doesn't matter. Don't look at your neighbor's script. It's it's, it's not about, I'm going to score higher than you. No, 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 no. It's about you. I know some people are so competitive. They will just wait for their neighbor to fill five. and They will say, my mom must be six because I must be better than this guy, (laughs) this lady. No, unto yourself be true. Unto yourself be true. So your first evaluation here is is that how clear are my work goals? Now, don't feel it yet. I will give you some guides. If you have no goals, it's just a job. I just wake up, I resume, then, you know, I get paid, then, is one if it's I make daily preparations when I wake up or before I go to bed I have a to-do list for what I do the following day or what I'm going to do that day you're a five so, for pastor. so what's a ten? a ten is you have written down measurable career goals in fact statistics says only five people five percent sorry of the Human race have a clearly written career goal, five percent, and in Gospel House it will be ninety-nine percent. Say, Pastor, why don't you say hundred percent? I know there will still be one person. It's it's that's how it is. That's how every community is. There's always one person, but you will not be that person. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Do you have a clearly, written, measurable career goal? If you don't, you are not the 10. But if you plan daily, you're 5. So, circle 5. If you are somewhere in between 1 and 5, or 5 and 10, be truthful to yourself, circle it. I have circled mine. I'll show you mine at the end of the day. I was brutally truthful with myself brutally truthful. You can cover your book if you are, if you are embarrassed <laughs> with your score. But guess what? It is between you and God. It's between you and God. So have we, have we done that? So the first W there to, to winning at work, Solomon's six winning ways is work with a purpose. Then number two, insists on integrity. Insists on integrity. Insists on integrity. Proverbs 10, 9. It says, the man of integrity works securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. The man of integrity works how? Securely. The world is interested in your image. Everybody wants to put up a good image. It's good to have a good image. But that's not the important thing when the rubber meets the road. God is looking at your integrity. The world is looking at your image. God is looking at your integrity. The world is looking at the outside. What's Shirt is he wearing? What tie is he wearing? What is the brand of his glasses, specs? What is, you know, what? (laughs) The suit is wearing. Is it a, you know, the world is interested on the outside, but God is interested on the inside. And listen, the only person that can promote you Without you being afraid of demotion, is who? It's God. If man promotes you, man can demote you. If God promotes you, no man can demote you. So if if God is, if men are looking at the outside and God is looking at the inside, and promotion does not come from the east, from the west, but from above, who will determine the promotion? It's God. In fact, one of the best advice that I was given by my spiritual father is, was is, he said to me, Femi, this work is a heart work. Guard your heart. He said to me, You have a very good heart. I don't know how he saw it, but he, <laughs> but he said so. You have a very good heart. Guard your heart. This work is a heart work. And I found it to be so true. It's so simple, but it is so true. When the robber missed the road, it's all about your heart. It is all about your heart. David had seven brothers bigger than him, taller than him, perhaps more handsome than he was. They had notoriety, they were, they were well built, they were well dressed, they were in the army. They were solid young men, but when God came to appoint a king in the house of Jesse, God skipped seven of them and found David. Now, listen, if your heart is right, you don't need to worry so much about your positioning. God will find you out, and God will lift you up. You know everybody strategizes it. Everybody wants to be. It's good to strategize. Okay, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying if you have if you have a bad heart, and you're strategizing, you're wasting your time. It is all about the heart. Proverbs 21:6 says dishonest gain will never last. It will never last. So why take the risk? There's dishonest gain. It's possible to gain by dishonesty. God says, yes, it's possible, but God says it will never last. So why waste your time? Proverbs 12, 13, Proverbs 12, 13, the Word of God says that wickedness never brings real success. Never brings real success. Okay, there could be some kind of success, but it will not be the real success. You know, there was this um, book on marketing <laughs> to show you how the world have deviated so much from God. You know, there's this book on marketing. There's no point telling you the title, but the third chapter of the book says this. It says, the magic word that can make you rich. Listen, if, if you see a book on marketing, and it says the magic word that can make you rich. Wouldn't you want to find out? I wanted to... I was like, "Okay, give it to me." It says, "Is very similitude, very similitude." That's the word. And what does that word mean? Having the appearance of truth, not truth, but the appearance of truth. Now, listen, it says the power pulsating within this magic word is this: "Very similitude isn't truth; is the appearance of truth." We have learned as we replace original idealism with cynicism, that the whole truth not only doesn't set us free, it isn't a particularly shrewd way to sell. Wow. (laughs) Now, he says, but the appearance of truth is, that is the kingdom of heaven, in the marketing book, Instead of being trapped in the old cold metal table facts, we have soft cushions of quasi-facts on which we can lean, we can lean. Since the cornerstone of success, successful direct response copy isn't truth, but having to read or regard what you write as truth. So it's not that it's truth, but you regard it as truth, and and sell it as truth. The difference between cheating and lying is this, when a copywriter hits his keys in desperation, he can start to lie. That is inexcusable. Cheating, though, may be despicable, or it might be a wonderful way to sell a product or raise money without damaging anybody. The goal of separating lying from cheating It's as simple as a direct marketing rule. A liar is a scoundrel without redemptive qualities and should be disavowed by everyone in the business. A cheat, however, is a salesman who may be a scoundrel, may be misinformed, or may be simply trying to win favor of the buyer. Conclusion. Scoundrality isn't absolute in cheating, as it is in lying. And I wrote, "Fabu." <laughs> Lies generally are less thoughtful, are more desperate than cheating. So, so it, 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 the business books are saying, you know what? Mm, you know, cheating is okay. It depends on the kind of cheating. If you, you know, praise the Lord. So the question is, whatever happens to ethics? Whatever happens to, to ethics? Just simple ethics. People are throwing it out of the window. Proverbs 11, Proverbs 16, 11. Proverbs 16, 11. I don't know if you have that. You can, you can write that down. Take note of that. Proverbs 16, 11. It says that the Lord demands fairness in every business deal. Wow. So, even though the person that you're dealing with may not know, God demands that you be fair. You are an employer. Be fair to your employees. You are an entrepreneur. Be fair to your customers. Why? The Lord demands what? Fairness. So, Here's your evaluation question. How honest am I? Don't feel it yet, don't feel it yet. I'm going to give you pointers. How honest am I? How honest am I? If you say, I am honest when it is convenient, one. If you say, I am always honest, regardless, 10. This one really doesn't have five in between. Because <laughs> it's either, the, or oh, they're trying to tell us that there's a five, there's a seven, there, no, 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 no. In this one, you either get 10 or you get one. Score yourself. Cover your books, cover your books. Don't show your neighbor. It's just between you and God. Now, if you are not truthful to yourself, that's if, that's, you cannot find help. That's your first step to, to freedom. Unto yourself, be true. Unto yourself, be true. Can you see that the God's way of winning at work is so far from the world's way of winning? So far, but it's the sure way of winning. In fact, it's the surest way of winning. You can take it to the bank. The end is never make excuses. Never make excuses. The Word of God says in Proverbs 22, 13, never make excuses. on the screen. You can write it down. It says that the lazy man is full of excuses. I can't go out. It says, if I go outside... I might meet a lion in the street and be killed. Can you imagine that? So, the, the, the lazy person is not an uncreative person. The fact that somebody is lazy doesn't mean the person is dumb or uncreative. The lazy person is a very creative person. From this scripture, the lazy person is in his house, is creating a lion on the street. And he said, oh, what if a lion kills me on the street? So a, a sluggard is very creative at accusing and excusing. A sluggard, a lazy person, is very creative at accusing and excusing. You know, they, have, have you met people that by the time they finish telling the story, they've poured all the blame on you? That's a lazy person. They put all the blame on you, or excusing. By the time they finish the story, they are saints. They excuse themselves so easily. A pastor met a lady at the grocery store. I said to the lady, "Oh, you've not been to church." And lady says, oh, pastor, I've been sick. Ah, I've been sick for three months. Well, this is very healthy. Excuses. So the lady says to the pastor, so when are you coming to visit me? The pastor says, you really don't want to be that sick for me to want to visit you. In other words, may God not smite you with sickness. The point is this. We give excuses and we don't even consider that we are probably digging a ditch for ourselves or using our mouths to create problems for ourselves. Say to your neighbor, stop giving excuses. Because excuses are for losers. Excuses are for losers. Excuses are for losers. losers. Proverbs 14.23 says that Work brings profit. Talk brings poverty. Ecclesiastes 5:7. Dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. Dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. If a, a, a father says to the son, he was trying to teach the son, he says to the son, son, you, you have to do one hard thing every day. Make sure you do one very difficult thing every day. And the boy says, I, I already do one difficult thing every day. The father says, what's that? The son says, I get out of bed. Okay, you get out on Wednesday next week. <laughs> I get out of bed. So the boy, as far as the boy is concerned, get out of the bed is what? It's hard work. I mean, uh, that is enough for the day. Proverbs 13.4 says, Proverbs 13.4 says that lazy people want much but get little while the diligent are prospering. You will be diligent and you will prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. We should stop saying Oh, I mean, it's a very common thing. Back, in, I mean, some, some years ago, people say, you know, oh, oh I'm, I'm, my, my container is on the IC. have you heard that before. You know, oh, my container is on the IC. You better begin to swim to meet that container on the IC. Oh, one day I will make it. Come on. Think about it. Which day? What are you doing Now? God will bless the work of your hands. Praise the name of the Lord. So evaluate yourself. How often do I excuse my behavior? How often do I excuse my behavior? Wait, 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 wait. I'll give you some pointers. How often do I excuse my behavior? If it's frequently, it is one. I excuse my behavior frequently someone says to you, oh, you need to do this, oh, i uh, give an excuse. Oh, you should have been better, you give an excuse. How often do I do that? Please don't excuse yourself. <laughs> Be truthful to yourself. If you do it frequently, it's one. If you do it sometimes, it's five. If you don't do it at all, you always take the bitter pill. Then you score a turn. This one, you can be somewhere in between 1 and 10. And the, in Solomon's six winning ways, the next end is never stop learning. Never stop what? Never stop learning. Never stop learning. Proverbs 15, 14 says... Intelligent people want to learn, but stupid people are satisfied with ignorance. Many people are blinded, they are closed minds. Intelligent people always want to learn. Again, I mean, this is Thrive, you can have questions at at the end of the teaching, so if you have a question, just keep a mental note of it or write it down so that you don't forget. Intelligent people want to learn. Stupid people are satisfied with ignorance. Proverbs 18, 15, Living Bible says, the intelligent man is always open to new ideas. I mean, it's amazing. I didn't know it was a matter of intelligence Some people are close to ideas. Intelligent Man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he what? He looks for them. He's, he looks for new ideas. He searches for new ideas. Leaders are learners. When you stop learning, you stop leading. Growing churches require growing pastors. Pastors. Growing businesses require growing business leaders. Growing families require growing fathers. If a father stops growing, the family stops growing. If a business person stops growing, the business stops growing. As much as it may sound blasphemous, if a pastor stops growing, the church stops growing. Even though he's an ordinary man. Praise the name of the Lord. You have to grow. You really have to grow. So you have to be open to learning. It's a, it's a mark of intelligence to seek ideas. I, I thought intelligent person should know everything. Shouldn't the intelligent person know everything? That's the upside-down thinking of intelligence. The Word of God says that the intelligent person seeks ideas. He looks for ideas. So, there are um, four sources that we are going to talk about of ideas, of, of intelligence, of learning. Four sources of learning. Of knowledge. The first we've let, left a huge blank spaces so you can fill it up. The first is God's word. God's words. Proverbs thirteen thirteen. Proverbs thirteen thirteen says, despise God's word and find yourself in trouble. Obey it and succeed. It's your choice. Despise God's word and find yourself in trouble. Obey it and succeed. Number two, wise people. We wise people, sources of, of information, of learning, of, of knowledge, of ideas, God's word. Sources of wisdom, God's word. Number two, sources of wisdom, of information, of learnings, wise people. Proverbs 15:22, wise people. It says, get all the advice you can and you will succeed. Without it, you will fail. Wise people. In fact, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think, who are the five people you spend the most time with? Think this week, who are the five people you hung out with the most this week? Think, think, think. Come on, come on. Think. Add their value. You are the average. That is tough for some people. <laughs> you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with you are the average same thing you spend most time with the average of the five people whether intellectually if you if you if you if you spend time with people with huge thinkers when you leave their presence you are uh, troubled because they have said some things that have, you, you think you don't agree with, you are struggling with, you are beating yourself, you, are, you know. If you spend time similarly, so whether you know it, like it or not, your intellectual capacity enlarges because you spend time with a heavy thinker. It enlarges. Same thing, financially. who This week, three people you spend most time with what is the average of the financial earnings? That is who you are. I'm waiting for it to sink in. Guess what? This week, I've spent time with a billionaire. This week, I've spent time with a billionaire in Naira. i spent time with a billionaire in dollars. This week, alone. loan. This is where everybody does it so searching. Similarly, spiritually, you are the average of the three people you spend the most time with this week. Three people. What's the spiritual state of the three people you spend most time with this week? Take the average. So, your life is not an accident. What are you will end up? It is not a mistake. Our parents used to say, show me your friends. I will tell you who you are. It is not a guessing game. Some people are not just lucky. They apply these principles. Why? I want to be a billionaire in US dollars. Don't say amen. It's okay. So what should I spend all my time with people? Let me go on. I'm not going anywhere. Ah. Number three, the sources of knowledge, books. I must say books. Books. Daniel 9, 2. It says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by, by books. There's something you don't know. Somebody else has written down. It's similar to wise people. Because you know one thing about wise people? Wise people don't have a lot of time to hang out with you. So what a lot of them have done is that they've written books. So if you read their books, they have, so if you enter... Reading a book is like you are, you are in a world of with a person. It's like spending time with a person. Listen to a podcast. It's the same thing. It's like you're spending time with a person. Particularly in our age, you can shoot people emails and they reply. Some of them actually do reply. Why Daniel... At, on the, at, at come to a point, as smart as Daniel was, Daniel needed to pay attention to what Jeremiah had written. Daniel did not have the answer, he had to go and read. Why can't you read? Some say, Oh, Pastor, reading is not my gift. Reading is not a gift, reading is a discipline. It is not a gift. If you are not able to read, you are lazy. L A Z Y in capitals. Why am, I, why am I talking like this? I want to provoke you to action. I want to provoke you to what? To action. I said I've I've I've, I've sat down. I, I've hung out with a billionaire this in US dollars this week. Well. Not in person. <laughs> but I've hung out with a billionaire in Nara this week in person. But, but there's no difference to me. Because what I need is not because, it's not because I want to just associate with them. What I need is what they know. Whether I access what they know by print, by word of mouth, or by podcast... It is relevant. It's what I do with what I have heard. That is important. So these wise people that have written books that are around you, God wants you to learn from them. Let me let me let me explain how it works. Let's say this is heaven. This is heaven. Right. Now, heaven is a storehouse of knowledge, of treasures. The storehouse of treasures. But heaven is not prodigal. Someone must pay the price for it. Somebody must pay the price for it. The person, listen, the person doesn't even have to be a believer. If you pay, there are scientists today that they pay the price in study, in sacrifice, in failing, until they get a breakthrough, everyone will release it to them. Because they have paid the price. They read their, have you not noticed that if I don't believe it, I read this book, it comes first. You can call scripture from now till tomorrow. If you don't read your book, you come last. That's how it works. So heaven yields to the highest bidder. Heaven yields to the person that pays the price. So, as I mean, there's a ladder. And to to really pay the price, you need to come on this rung, on this ladder, and get here, and, and get the breakthrough, and get the information. Now, you are here. The person that has paid the price. And Let's say this is you. Art is not one of my skills. <laughs> you have a choice. You have a choice to say, oh, I'm so prideful and so full of myself. I don't need this guy. I'm going to climb this ladder. Continue. Continue. In fact, I'm not going to climb that. I'm going to make my own ladder. Then I will now begin to climb my own ladder. How many ladders do you want to climb? This guy has paid a price. Find him. And he will tell you what took him 30 years to get. He will tell you in 30 minutes. Praise the name of the Lord. But you can stay there filled with your arrogance. I'm smarter than everybody in the world. Or you could just buy this guy lunch. And save yourself the stress. By the way, let me tell you what happens many times. This is what happens many times. The guy has written... how did you draw a book now? I've written a book. You sweat, 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 sweat. You get to heaven. You ask for it. Heaven says, ah, ah, we have given somebody already. Go and buy the book. So you come all the way back. Then you are left to read the book. So, why waste your time going up? Why not just go buy the book and read the book? Praise the name of the Lord. You see, this is what I'm sharing. It may sound so simple. But this is the key to life. This is the key to life. When we started God's favorite house, no, not God's favorite house, when, we started, when I started pastoring, 10 years ago, I found a pastor in the Western world. Solid guy. Knows more than me. I went. Did I even buy him lunch? I offered to, but it still smiled. And I sat with him. And I asked him questions. And for the first time in my life, I heard that there, there's something that is called barriers to growth. I've never heard it before. There are pastors, they've been pastoring for 25 years. They don't know what I'm telling you. And he broke it down for me. And he says this is the 200 barrier. 80% of churches in the world are 200 and below. Because the pastor does not know how to break the 200 barrier. And he have refused to buy lunch for the guy that can teach him how to break the 200 barrier. There's a the 500 barrier, there's 800 barrier, there's the 1,000 barrier. Then Thousands. By God's grace, we are in the thousands. It's not luck. So I sat with him. He taught me. I took notes. And I started, implementing, because it's not what you know; it's what you do with what you know. And of course, God God's not respect of persons. Results. Do you know the humbling thing for me today? That same pastor was talking to me a few days ago and he was saying to me, I'm coming to Nigeria with my notebook and my pen to learn from you. He says, he says Not in church growth, it's in another area. He says, I will tell you the area. He says, There's something, this area, you are far ahead of me. This guy's been pastoring. I need to come and learn it. Don't sit down there with pride. Don't let pride kill you. Go and find someone that knows better than you and sit down and learn. Do I get an amen? If we close here, we are fine. (laughs) But I'm not out of message. (laughs) Neither am I out of time. (laughs) So let me just go quickly. Number four, failure. It was a failure. Learn from your failure. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. A man who refuses to admit mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Never waste your failure, use it as fertilizer. So, evaluate yourself. What's my attitude towards learning? Again, cover your books. Truthful to yourself, be brutal to yourself. What is my attitude towards learning? Don't write yet. Let me give you some pointers. If your attitude towards learning is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Is one. In other words, well this is how we have been doing it from time. Don't worry. Is one. You don't have a good attitude towards learning. If you are to what's learning is that you are willing to learn, you are willing, you are open to learning, you are just a five, average. So, so pastor, what is a ten? A ten is what I've said earlier on. You are actively looking for new ideas. You ten in every area of your life. You are actively looking for new ideas. If you're a medical doctor, you're actively looking for new ideas. If you're a tailor, you're actively looking for new ideas. You're a 10. Standard. But, of course, it's a spectrum. Be truthful to yourself. Answer the questions. Number five. So, number one, I must work with purpose. Number two, I must insist on integrity. Number three, I must never make excuses. Number four, I must never stop learning. Number five, I must economize my time and energy. I must economize my time and and what? And energy. You know, people say, oh, pastor, where did my time go? Or where did all my energy go? Or, or sometimes they're, they're personal. They say to me, oh, pastor, how did you have time to do this? And you still have time to do this. And you still have time to do this. And you say, how can you have time to do all this? Or or, or when it comes to energy, you say, how do you have the energy to do this? You have the energy to do that. You have the energy to do this. You have the energy to do that. Well, I'm going to show you how. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Part of how. Because how is really out of the scope of this teaching. But you are going to get a huge chunk. Everybody has 168 hours a week. Time is an equal opportunity employer. Everybody has the same amount of time. And time management is a spiritual issue. You know, I've said two things now. The first thing is everybody has quite amount of time. So for you to, to have maximum use of your time and energy, you must know that there's no cheating here. Some people don't have more time than I do. Secondly, time management is a spiritual issue. I must approach it as a spiritual issue. Why? Because to waste time is to sin. Is it? Yes, it is. Until you see it like that, you're not going to tackle it head on. It's a spiritual issue. Next, next, Winners know the value of time. Losers think they will always have time. That's the difference. Winners know the value of time. They map out their day, they map out their week, they map out the year, they map out, you know, they know the value of time. Losers feel, oh, there will always be time. But the truth is that your time is more valuable than your money. Why? Obviously, you can make more money, but you cannot make more time. So, I said to entrepreneurs, I said to guys that are entrepreneurs, they run their own businesses and all that, I said to them, look, hire people so that you can free up your time. Because you can make more money to pay them, but you you can never buy time. So free up your time so that you can do what only you can do. I need to... We need to probably have a session for entrepreneurs. I need to break this down because it's huge. It's huge. But just write that down for now so that we can move on. So your homework is what is your number one time waster? Think about this week. What has been my number one time waster? Think. If you don't have the answer now, it's fine. Take it home. Second homework, what is my number one energy waster? What's my number one energy waster? Why? Because I think there's a lot of work that has been done on time management but not enough done on energy management because energy Management is also very, very, very key. Because sometimes, wasting of your time is inevitable and outside of your control. But wasting of your energy is always within your control. What do I mean? Let me give you an example of what happened to me today. Just today. Just today. We have um, an hour of prayer in church that is... Myself and my guys. So we pray from 12 to 1. Every day. And yeah. And we've been fasting. So we pray from 12 to 1. Now. On Wednesdays, I work from home. Because I want to focus. But since we've started, I always will come out for the hour of prayer. Then go back home then come back for a drive, you know, (laughs) and all that. But today, I was on time, and I got into the the street of the church on time. Got to the street of the church, and a trailer parked right in the middle of the road. And they were just heaping sand on this road. And I was... And I said to myself, Femi... Don't waste your energy getting angry. That's a key lesson. One of the greatest energy burners is anger. Do you know that? So calm down. So I I calmed down. I said, who? who Where's the driver of this truck? The driver was not even there. I was frantic. I hate coming late for meetings. So I got out of the car, I opened the truck. The key was, I wanted to enter the truck, move the car, move the truck away, enter my car. I said, me, you have control over your energy. What if you go there and somebody pulls your shirt and gives you a punch? Then what will happen? Then you remember the days you used to fight. They say, this won't punch me, I'm going to finish you today. You would have if you it. So I took a deep breath. I saw the truck. I went to my car. The driver of the truck came and I talked, ah, thank God. He's gonna move his truck. Right? And he looked at me and said, What's wrong with me? Can't I pass? I should pass, Joe. And he stood there and he moved the truck. Now, now, I can drive a little bit, so if I can pass, I could have passed, because I'm the one in a hurry, right? So I really couldn't pass, and he stood there. He says, even a trailer can pass this place, and he he refused to move. Now, at that time, I said to myself, this guy is wasting your time. But don't let this guy waste your energy. So I sat in the car. I said, Shibi Sandia, you'll finish packing it now. Abby, it's time that we we'll go. But I will still have energy. I still have to pray. I still have to prepare for the tribe. I still have to go home and pray. I still have to come here and preach. I'm, I'm, I'm going to waste my energy arguing with this guy. I won't do that. Today, I lift up my <laughs> voice. <laughs> For I do, you are always the form Then the guys around came and said, Aburi Okwesha, pastor man here. They harassed him and he quickly moved his truck. And, and I got to my prayer meeting late, but I still had my energy conserved. Praise the name of the Lord. but I could have lost both. That's my point. I could have lost both. Ecclesiastes 8.6 says, there's a right time and a right way to do everything, but we know so little. There's a right time and a right place to do everything. Everything. Don't waste your time and energy. A few things you need to know about time and energy. Time is finite and constant. But listen to this. Energy, even though finite, is a variable. In a day, you have 24 hours. In a day, you have the same amount of energy. If you exercise, you eat well, your energy level can increase, but it is still finite in a day. But time cannot be increased. That's number one. Secondly, while time is linear, it's not only finite, it's linear, and cannot be concentrated, energy fluctuates and can be concentrated. Now, this I'm saying to you is huge. It's huge because if you understand this, you are able to achieve a lot in the same 24 hours while everybody else is scratching their heads. And I didn't read this from any book. The next thing you need to know is that you increase increase in energy given the same amount of time will lead to increase in productivity. So I can, if I have eight hours to work, and I'm able to, energy fluctuates, it, right? And I'm able to concentrate my energy in that eight hours. After eight hours, I'm tired, and fagged out, and I can rest for the remaining day, but I have been totally productive in that eight hours. In fact, the remaining day, I can do, I can begin to play tennis, I can begin to play games, I can begin to do things that make the ordinary people think that you are not doing anything, but you've poured your energy into what matters most. By the end of the day, productivity is undeniable. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you getting this at all? And, and you see, it is, it is so important that when we talk about energy, we, we are talking about a, a compound. So when we talk about energy, we are not talking only About, only about physical energy. That's just one component. So there are four components to energy. When you talk about energy, at least four components, you're talking about physical energy. Mental energy. Sometimes you are strong physically. You are not tired physically, but you know mentally you are tired. I mean, does that happen to anybody? You are just mentally, you just don't want to move any muscle mentally. Mental, you know, then you have emotional energy. You get home, you are so fagged out, maybe your husband wants to pick a quarrel. you don't even have the emotional energy to engage. (laughs) You're like, well, just be going with your trouble. Then, number four, you have spiritual energy. I know there's so much that we are packing into this. But we need to get this out of the way because of what we're going to do next week. So, for me to manage my energy, I must be optimal, in my physical energy. Exercise, what I eat, and how I exercise determine my physical energy. If you don't exercise, and you're just eating a bar. In the morning, they're binding. They're, they're going to struggle. Mental energy. I need to exercise my mental muscles. How do I exercise my mental muscles? Should I tell you? There's no time. Okay, i just mention it. I think of new ideas every day. Even though it is useless, I may never use it. I just exercise that muscle? Sometimes, you can think of five new ideas. Just force yourself to think of five new ideas. You'll be forcing your mental, and your mental muscle to be exercised. Ten new ideas every day. Do it for one week. You'll be shocked at how sharp you, how sharp you become. Emotional, same thing. Then Spiritual. You know how to do that, don't you? Generate spiritual energy. Hmm. Ah. So, what the word of God is saying in Exodus ten ten? It says that if the axis door and the edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. God is saying, work smarter. Work smarter, not harder. They are setting work for you to get it done. You need to deploy your physical energy. For some work, you need to sharpen and deploy your mental energy. Some work, some work is just emotional energy. You know, some people, you are working so hard. It's, you, the work you are doing can be solved easily. If you have enough emotional energy to build the right relationships, and people will help you do it, and you get it done easily. So God is saying, work smarter, smarter. So ask yourself these two questions. Whenever something is before you, ask yourself these two questions. Is this the best use of my time? Should I be the person counseling this person? Should I be the person taking up this challenge? Is this the best use of my time? Number two, ask yourself, is there an easier way to do it? Is there an easier way to do it? Say, Pastor, why are you always looking for easy ways to do it? Is Is that not laziness? No, it's not laziness. If you find an easier way to do it, you free up your time to do other things. So your evaluation is, is simple. You, what, how do you evaluate yourself in this? How well do I use my time and energy? Or did I use my time and energy last week? How well? On a scale of one to ten. One is I wasted my time and energy. I was a coach potato. I just watched movies and played games, and just wasted my time, just whiled away the time. That's a one. If last week I just spent my time doing good things, but fun things, that's a five. Or I invested my time. I did things that will pay off in future. That's a 10. Nobody can really get a 10 in this. I didn't get a 10. But you can get somewhere in between. Finally, don't just work with purpose. Don't just insist on integrity. Don't just never give up or never make excuses, rather. Don't just never stop learning. Don't just economize your time and energy. Number six, resolve to stick to it. Resolve to stick it out. Resolve to stick it out. Resolve to stick it out. Winners don't know how to quit. You need to teach them how to quit. They don't know how to, they don't quitting is not in that dictionary. They don't even know how to quit. You know, there's a myth that I've heard people, you know, well, sometimes they say that. Verbally, sometimes not. They say, successful people don't know how to suffer. They, don't, they do everything right. They don't, everything is just going well for that man. You know? <laughs> you know? And that is a big lie. A, a big lie. I'm going to read some stats and some stories to you that will shock you. You know, the best basketball players make only half of their shots. Only half. That's the best. The average, of course, makes far less than half. Now, top, some of you may know this already, top oil companies, even with expert geologists, find oil only one well in ten. You know, that was one in ten. They spent money on one, no, nothing, on the other, nothing. But they know they will find, but they keep investing. A successful TV actor turned, 20, turned down 29 times out of 30 after auditioning, now became a billionaire, and everybody says, oh, he's just so lucky. Is the he's Af- American's favorite. In stock market, winners in stock market make money only two out of five investments. So, the, 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 the successful Wall Street person knows that if we only make money only two out of five investments. That is less than half, as in real money. There's a man called I I, I hope I don't pronounce his name well, Soichiro Honda. Honda was turned down by Toyota Motors for a job interview as an engineer. Leaving home, jobless, roamed around, he started making scooters of his own at home, and spurred on by his neighbors, started his company And today everybody is driving under, right? Same guy. Toyota didn't give him a job. I pray that the Toyotas of this world will not give you a job (laughs) so that you can start the unders of this world. In Jesus' name. Some people think, oh, Pastor, I can't say amen to that prayer. Let me get the Toyota job first. No. If you have the Toyota job, the under idea, business may never materialize. There's a lot here. Oprah Winfrey, you know her. She was fired as a TV presenter. They fired her. She was not good enough. In, uh, what was it? Maryland. She owns a TV network. They're fired. Big deal. Michael Jordan. You know Michael Jordan? His high school basketball coach said he was not good enough. This one can't play basketball. But Jordan went ahead and won six championships, five MVPs. Michael Jordan became arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. Jordan said, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I have been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed Michael Jordan. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Michael Jordan. Today, if you want to clap, you're inspired, you can clap. Today, everybody wears Air Jordan, this Air Jordan. He stopped playing, but he's still making money. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Say to your neighbor, stick it out. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine 29 says, Do you know a hardworking man? He shall be successful and stand before kings. Proverbs 24 16 says, Proverbs 24 16, For though a righteous man falls, how many times? Then what does he do? He cries and goes home. He rises again. He's a righteous man. He hasn't done anything bad. You know what? If you are are sitting in this place today or you are watching online, you are going to listen um, at some point to this message and you are discouraged, listen to this. It's your fault that you are discouraged. That may not sound nice, but you chose to be discouraged. It is your prerogative to be discouraged. Say, Pastor, you don't understand. You are being insensitive. You don't understand. It's a big fat lie. It is your choice. Say, Pastor, I need encouragement. Encourage yourself. I know it's not very popular, but you see, great you are going to be great in Jesus' name. Say amen. Come on. Great people know how to encourage themselves. Great people don't wait for External encouragement. No, 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 no. So if you are discouraged today, you are choosing to be, my friend. There's a book I just ordered from Amazon called Grinding Out by Ray Kroc. You know Ray Kroc? You may not know him, but if I tell you what he does, you will know. Ray Crock founded McDonald's. And the title of the book is Grinding It Out. But you know what stunned me about the book was that Ray Crock, it was an autobiography, he said he started McDonald's at the age of 52. Ah. That was when he started McDonald's at the age of 52. And some of us, we are thinking time has gone, time has gone. You, which time has gone? Do you know how many people McDonald's employs? Do you know how many companies have become billion, billion dollar companies because they supply toothpick to McDonald's? Toclets of the ones that supply the chicken? And he started McDonald's at the age of what? Fifty-two. What's your excuse? What's my excuse? Trash the excuse. And you're fifty-two. Not many of us here are over fifty-two. Most of us are not 40. <laughs> and we are feeling hopeless already. You are not hopeless. And it is never too late. It's never too late. It's never. So your final evaluation is how strong is my will to persist? Now, I'm going to give you pointers again before you begin to rate yourself. If you find out that you give up easily, then you face a problem. It's a 10. You're, sorry, you're a 1. You say, but pastor, I don't really give up when I face a problem, but when I get criticized. When the criticism is a lot, I get discouraged and I give up. A four, you five. Less than average. But if you say, I never give up. Regardless of the problem, regardless of the criticism, if you let them talk from now until January next year, that's their cup of tea. I'm going to be all that God has called me to, to be. And he will prepare a table before me in the presence of my... Uh, if you are like that, you attend. Add up your scores. That's the end of the teaching. Add up your scores. You can use the calculator. Your phone probably has one use a full calculator. I know we crept time, but it is so important that we, we dealt with these issues thoroughly as we did today. Out of your time, your, your, your scores, I, I've added up my scores here. Don't announce it, but know it. If you are 55 and above, you are definitely on the right path. Anything below 55, over 60, you need to zoom in. If you are between 45 and 55, you need to get someone to help you find out what is wrong in whatever areas. If you are 30 to 44, 44 and below rather, You need to say to yourself, I need to rebirth myself. Get the city, sit with it, and go through those areas of your life and rebirth yourself. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. I had to the of the